the Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Edition. Back with you, Hour 2 at Tale of Our City Radio, presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. At Brandon L. Vogel is where you find Vogues on Twitter. A lot of football to talk, uh, some basketball on our mind, and, of course, volleyball. Be sure to catch Brandon's book uh, with John Cook. Dream Like a Champion. That was an incredible project, a fantastic read, and Vogue's a day for John Cook yesterday. So we got to ask you, people are clamoring for a statue. Where do you put the statue? Do you put it outside Bob Devaney as you walk up? Do you put it uh, somewhere near Memorial Stadium since they're going to set an attendance record in August? Um, Help me with placement here. Well, I think based on the court placement, uh, if we just put one at about the 20-yard line, north end zone <laughs> side, that'll work. Uh, be, you know, that's the one thing baseball has over everything else is, you know, you just got to have the park factor. So, strat- or statue of the volleyball coach about the 20-yard line of the football stadium. Be uh, an interesting one. Nebraska would have a little bit of an advantage once it got used to it itself. But, no, I mean, I think you you probably you probably go to Vanny. Which is interesting, you know, Coach Cook is, it, it was in the book, Dream Like a Champion, like you mentioned, he's talked about it numerous times. Well, I brought it up yesterday, uh, talking about his reaction to this proposal of playing a volleyball match inside a Memorial Stadium. He likened it to Devaney. He didn't want to go initially. And, you know, he certainly coached plenty of matches in the Coliseum, um, Coliseum when it was a volleyball venue specifically, was was pretty iconic, but making that transition, starting a sellout streak or continuing a sellout streak there, despite more than doubling capacity. I'll always associate that with John Cook. So I think I think Devaney Center is the place to go. How about the fact that they are going to do a game inside of Memorial Stadium is one of those things where it's like as soon as you started catching wind of it, isn't your immediate reaction just like that is awesome. And there, there's there's just like sort of no like well, I don't know if you should do that. Like, it just makes so much sense. How many people do you think will actually attend that? If you were to, like, what, what are you setting the over under at? Um, I'll, I'll lean on Trev Albert's wisdom here. Um, Aaron Sorensen, our deputy editor, asked him yesterday. Well, she asked a bunch of people. And I think, you know, Ronnie Green kind of uh, notably said, well, why not 90? Uh, John Cook, I said, and he acknowledged he might be underestimating, said he started at about 25 oh, and was constantly getting overshot by everybody. And I think Trev settled around the 45 mark. Yeah. And I think, you know, not knowing anything beyond it's happening, here's here's the date. Uh, we don't know what concert will kind of be tied to that. Not that I think that that changes things drastically. Um, <clears throat> but I think that sounds like a good place to start. And we'll see how the weather cooperates that day. Um, I'm sure they're going to sell a bunch of these right away. Um, and it's, it's going to be a really fun, fun event. And you, you look at it, there's, there's a lot of, you know, strong volleyball programs out there across the country. But 
Nebraska truly is unique. I mean, even Wisconsin, the, the, the kind of rabbit and the tortoise here in terms of the, the two keep tra- trading this attendance record. Like you could put it, you could put a match in, in camp Randall or Lambeau um, and, and see what you get. But Nebraska is just unique in that regard and that it's so singularly focused around the Huskers. But then also, you know, in terms of football's up here and the permanent number one, but volleyball uh, is, is not far behind. Well, I think Trev has the right idea with, like, if you want to get the Husker Nation to, to go and do something, make it a competition. You see how Nebraska does in the online polls. And he's like, yeah, this is about the attendance record. This is about blowing Wisconsin out of the water. That's the right way to do it. But maybe what he's got to do is is make it like a, a poll of the greatest fans in the country. In order to cast your vote for Nebraska, you must buy and attend uh, a ticket for this Husker volleyball match in August. That's the tried and true method for getting Husker Nation riled up is turn it into a competition for who's got the best fans and boom, it's done. Yep, that, that it, it is a, uh, a time-tested, uh, I guess, method for, for getting Husker fans involved. And, you know, they, they continue to show up for those things. So I, I agree. Uh, kind of put the – it was it was interesting. First thing I looked at when the actual release came yesterday was any sort of note about this attendance record that's out there. And it, it, it was in there. You know, we're not, we're not being coy about this. Like, that is part of the goal here. Our, our best and, idea this, might be, like – is 1995 Nebraska the greatest college football team ever? If you think yes, you must buy a ticket to Husker Volleyball. Like that's, that's the way to go. <laughs> Husker Nation will show up in droves. <laughs> we, we were talking earlier, you know, with the uh, the Rayola family confirmed, we, we believe it's being reported, that the Rayolas, Dayton, uh, Dylan, Dominic, are visiting Donovan, right? A lot of D. Rayolas in town. And it's a dead period, so you can't, you know, there can't be like a uh, an official visit, but you can visit family. The NCAA has not outlawed that. Uh, so brought up the idea, you know, in the NIL era, like probably should have a reality show rolling with the Rayolas. Uh, would you watch that? Yeah, I, I would. Um, despite my natural reticence for um, like, I don't think I need any more reality shows in my life, but I feel right. a little duty bound to, to watch this one. And it, it, it is a fascinating story, you know, getting the chance to hear Dylan do some interviews. Like, it, he's, not, he's not just the best player in the class in this, in this country this year. Uh, he also seems like a legitimately interesting guy. Um, somebody who has a little bit of unique makeup, I think, for a player who's in that position or even in kind of the vicinity of, of that position in terms of one of the best recruits in the country. Uh, it's not often that Nebraska travels in those circles. Uh, we know that because there's a Husker connection here, they're able to this time and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I would, I would be in for, I would be in for rolling with rails. Well, and I don't know that coach rules the, the guy that's going to be first in line to do a, a hard knocks type uh, season for Nebraska football. Coach Prime would be all in. I mean, he's already yeah. doing it. I mean, he's got he's got <laughs> more of a camera crew than CNN, so that's impressive. Uh, but no, I mean, we, we had some fun with it in hour one with uh, with uh, the uh, the pitch of the uh, reality show. Bogues, let's spend a little bit of time here on on the offensive line and. Big topics been riding the ship, and we left off talking about things from an organizational standpoint from the top on down. 
all being on the same page? What are you emphasizing? What are you training? What are you drilling? And have you been able to figure out what those five best guys, who they are, first of all, second of all, as a unit, what do they do best and what can you win with? I mean, that's all part of this evaluation process going on. Is there alignment that's a barometer for you uh, this spring and, and kind of looking into fall? Um, I mean, I think based on what we've heard so far and you know, we've got all 15 practices of the spring still to go, plus the rest of the offseason after that for this to, to shift and mold. But like I, I think I go in saying I, I'll plan to to judge this offensive line by their ability to to run the football. Um, that's what the staff has said they want to be able to do. Uh, you look at the previous regime, I think I said through through all five seasons, like that was a system built on being able to to effectively run the football and, and Nebraska really had varying results with that um, really beyond 2018. Um, the thing that makes it this year interesting is in 2022, you seem to have found not one, but two running backs who really in my mind, when I think back to last season is the run game in particular is Grant and Allen a lot of times making a lot out of a little. Um, so the offensive line's got to be better in that regard right there. Um, it, it has to feel like a little bit more of a comprehensive approach um, because if you do that, you've got some talented backs, and I think you can throw Gabe Irvin in that mix too, who, who are capable, I think, of putting up some pretty good rushing numbers. Um, so, so that'll be the place that I start. You know, I thought Ryola this week spoke to the media for the first time in quite a while. Uh, he's, he's been a coach we haven't heard a ton from. You know, mentioning that the O-line, he felt, improved kind of game to game. And, and I think he's right about that. But you still, you look at the season, season long numbers. I don't think the, the rush numbers are where you'd want them to be. And certainly the pass protection remained an issue. Um, that's also got to be something where, well, if you're running the ball effectively, can help with that. Um, but clearly, you, you can't have Casey Thompson or whoever feel as as harried and hurried as they were throughout 2022. Do you go tight end room? Do you go linebacker position switch? Or do you recruit a candidate in that running back room right now to be a fullback? Hmm. Um. Good question. I mean, you certainly have the numbers. Well, you definitely have the numbers at, at a tight end, you know, trying to think through kind of size-wise what they're looking at there. Um, might be a little bit of a, a stranger fit, depending on what they, how often they want to use that fullback and what they want to use it for, um, which, which is a mystery. So you might be better looking towards defense um, and, and not just linebackers, but I think, you know, the secondary overall um, is is a pretty long group, um, but you've got some players there that with an offseason could probably become that sort of fit as well. So I'm guessing that's the most likely, um, you know, not to mention kind of uh, scores of walk-ons who, who might, be, might be a fit for that position as well. But, you know, the big mystery with that is Satterfield said right out of the gates, we're going to have a fullback. Um, remains to be seen, like – what kind of role that person plays in this offense. Well, Brandon, stick with me here. It's the Big Ten, three tight end sets. 
You got Nate Borgatur on the end of the line of scrimmage. He's your blocking tight end. You got Thomas Fedoni split out into the slot. Another tight end. And then you got Eric Gilbert in the backfield lined up as a fullback. That sounds to me like a matchup nightmare for a defense. If you got Gilbert in the backfield, he could be a fullback. He could be a pass-catching option. You got Fedoni in the slot matched up against a cornerback or maybe a nickelback who you're not going to be winning jump balls against that person. Then you got Borgstra at the end of the line of scrimmage matched up against a, a, a linebacker or really insert one of the, the remaining tight ends there on the end of the line of scrimmage, whoever the best blocking option is. That sounds like scary, scary mismatches for Big Ten defenses. That's that's kind of how I see it right now in terms of what Nebraska might be wanting to do with their fullback. Two, two and three tight end sets with either Gilbert or insert a tight end back as your, uh, your quote-unquote fullback. Yeah, I mean, I think in an ideal world, if you're like, okay, we need a fullback, which position are we, are we pulling from? Finding a tight end who can do what you need to do there would be option A, um, just because, you know, that person can remain a tight end uh, in in name at least and be out there because you, you talk about having three of them on the field at the same time. And then all of a sudden you get into, you know, motioning and matchups and things like that. Like if you've got somebody who it's not strange to split them out as a tight end and in the slot or something like that, you can motion them in and motion them into the backfield. Like it does become kind of a, difficult to handle uh when you just start drawing it up on paper and i also feel like if you uh, you put a like a, a six foot six 270 pound tight end in the backfield and hand it off on third and short a lot of your third and short <laughs> difficulties might be going away yeah that's the key can you find a guy who like if you if you have to give him the ball say 12 times uh to, to run the ball uh, it, over the course of the season can't can they do that because you know you lose a little bit of the uh, the mystery if you're you're willing to motion to tight end into the backfield, but it's never actually a running threat. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and you know we've talked a lot about the defensive back being a pretty crowded room and probably going to have some attrition there. I I think we can say the same about running back, but not sure we've gone as deep there. It's a little tough, I think, right now, Brandon, to get a read. I feel like you have a lot of sort of equally talented guys. They're just flavored very differently. They're just different backs. A lot of those guys. Do you have any feel from whether it's watching Satterfield and his history, watching Rule and his history, when you consider Ramir Johnson, when you consider A.J. Allen and Anthony Grant, and uh, why is the kid from Georgia escaping me, the one that's oft injured fast? Gilbert. No, 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 no. He's referring to Bourbon. Uh, Gabe Bourbon. Gabe Irvin. Gabe Irvin. You have, you know, the kid out of Minnesota, the redshirted. Emmett Johnson. Emmett Johnson. Like, there's a lot of dudes there. Do you get any sense for maybe which guy, not necessarily leaves, but which guys do you think rise to the top based on what Rule and Satterfield like to do? I, I can't get any read on it whatsoever. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, and I think it's because, you know, you mentioned the kind of individually flavored or, or how, however you put it, it was, it was nice. I appreciated it. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think that's, that's right. Because even somebody, so like my kind of gut reaction there might be Johnson, but he's somebody who's super versatile. Um, so you, you look at that piece of it, you know, Gabe Irvin had showed, I think his, his offensive ability specifically running and, and catching the football as a freshman but the thing we always hear about him most is what he might be our best pass protector in, in that room 
that's a valuable skill. That's a skill that can keep you on the field. Um, and, you know, looking back at Satterfield's kind of seasons at South Carolina specifically, because that's where he was apart from rule, you know, those, those offenses weren't that run heavy. Um, and, and a lot of this comes down to, to circumstance, what's your best way to move the football instead of what's the way you'd prefer to. Um, so, so it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys back there and it's, it's one of those spots where you think well, some attrition here seems very, very likely just because it's, it's hard, I think, to, to keep two running backs, um, happy. Like you've got to be good and you've got to be able to run the ball well to, to even, I think, attempt that. Nebraska has, I think, three that are immediately in the mix for me. And not to mention, like, three or four more guys who were pretty talented, were pretty good gets beyond that. So it does get pretty tough at that spot. Brandon, Brandon, we've hit offensive line. We've hit tight end. We've now hit running back. Would you rather go to wide receiver or a quarterback to finish the uh, the offensive talk here? It's up to you. I'll, 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 I'll leave the floor open to you. Uh, quarterback or, or wide receiver? Where do you want to go next? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe let's go to quarterback um, because that one's interesting and we know Thompson and Smothers are somewhat limited. Uh, you've got Purdy who now kind of occupies I think almost a total wild card spot for me um, with the addition of Sims, who we know, you know, Matt rule might as be, might be as familiar with him based on what he said as he is with any of the, the returning quarterbacks. Um, so that, that seems like a spot too, where, and just what we know about kind of the quarterback market in college football. Now um, attrition seems almost a little bit inevitable there by the time we get to the end of the spring. But it's going to be a little bit difficult because Thompson and Smothers are going to be limited somewhat. Although it sounds like maybe not as much as, as initially thought in in the case of Casey Thompson. Um, that one becomes becomes really interesting. Like from a statistical standpoint, I kind of look at Sims and Thompson, both of whom have played a good amount of Power Five football at this point, and not a ton to separate them uh, from a raw numbers perspective. So, so that's interesting. I mean, if, if it weren't for Thompson being a little bit limited, I mean, I personally would go into this year thinking, well, well, there's your starter. Somebody's got to beat him out. Is that still the case? I don't know if we'll find out in the spring, which, which makes it super interesting there behind center. Well, folks, let's uh, let's go to wide receiver here. There after the offensive preview, because I actually this is where I wanted to go last one, but you, you did well with the quarterbacks there. A wide receiver, Malachi Coleman posting a video earlier this week of him running in the four twos in a forty yard dash. Now, this came from a two point stance, and it also came on a track surface as opposed to a field surface. So that's going to speed you up just a little bit, but still running in the four twos. That doesn't sound like the type of guy, especially whenever you combine his frame with that ability to run uh, as a guy that's going to be held off the field as a freshman. But you also have to combine that with the fact that he's not a guy who's going to be participating in spring football. He's going to show up in the summer, get some conditioning work in, go through fall camp, and then he's going to try to force his way into the field this fall. So I want to get your take on the impact that Malachi Coleman can have in the fall. Do you you subscribe to the idea that this is going to be a guy who's going to be seeing the field earlier rather than later? I I think if everything goes to plan, you'll you'll see him this, this fall. Um, I mean, you, you, you talk about the speed and the skill set. Um, it's more than just a, you know, recruiting ranking 
with with him in in my mind and and receiver is one of those spots where you can you can play early like you know you've got to learn the playbook and and of course that's that's a big piece of it but when i look at this room overall you know not only are you losing your your top receiver in trey palmer but the one thing that this room doesn't have is kind of a known uh, a player that can be like Trey Palmer was last season, or even you go back to Wandale Robinson, say in his second year or Stanley Morgan jr. Before that JD Spielman, before that, the guy that was just like, things are tough. We need to play. That's where we're going. You, you can't identify that person for Nebraska right now. Marcus Washington yeah. comes back with, with kind of the most returning production and maybe he can be that guy. But I think the point is, is, you need somebody like that to emerge and Malachi Coleman's not not going to get this spring session with the team, but you look at his measurables and those sorts of things. Like even somebody like Xavier Betts, we don't know how he's going to come back. Could be that type of player. You just need somebody who's going to win you one-on-one matchups in the receiving game. Um, And that, that role is very much unfilled at this moment for me. Brendan Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition at Brandon L. L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, what's uh, on the radar this weekend for the great folks at Hale Varsity? You can get that subscription, digital and magazine, halevarsity.com backslash offer. What are you following? Yeah, well, it was nice to, uh, nice to see baseball. Uh, got one out last night in Mobile. Um, so we'll have a weekend recap of that at the, at the end of the weekend. Uh, obviously got a big kind of basketball game for, for a game where Nebraska's, you know, almost double digit favorite, which <laughs> didn't know if you, if you'd say, said, would, would Nebraska be a double digit favorite over anyone towards the end of February, uh, a month and a half ago, I would have said no, but, but here we are. That said, um, it's, it's tough to, to kind of feel like a double, di- almost double digit favorite. So kind of a vital game for, for Nebraska a season that's had a nice little uptick here towards, towards the end of it. So we'll have all the action from the weekend um, and looking forward to it. It's, it's a busy weekend for the Oscars. Hey, quick, quick little thing on, on baseball too, by the way, peculiar statistic that has emerged. Nebraska has hit 16 batters in five games. So frame of reference, 54 all of last year, right? So they're like almost a, they're less than a fourth, a third, a third of the way there already through five games. Is, is there anything we can attribute that to? Are they trying to be more aggressive by owning the plate? Are they just wild? Like that's that my plate, ex- Cranack. Yeah, you, that, you better yeah, back off. But that's, re- that's really noteworthy. I think last night it was something like Nebraska plunked six guys. And South Alabama plunked five. Yeah, uh, so that puts you on pace for like 150 on the year, something close to that, depending on how many games you. It's Carson how Schmidt many, numbers. How many rainouts you you uh, avoid? I mean, I, I guess at this point, I'll chalk it up to maybe just a little bit of early season kind of. You know, Nebraska got some nice weather in in the lead up to the start of its season. That said, you know preparing to play baseball in February is always going to be tough when your, your home base is Lincoln, Nebraska. So uh, I'll, I'll go with that for now. Um, we'll see. I know there was one uh, last night that I think Nebraska 
kind of tried to contest uh, a hit by pitcher. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but truly a, a bizarre number so far. Well, well, Brandon, they're playing a brand of baseball that Husker fans can get behind. You know what? They might not win every game, but they're going to beat you up on the way, and you're going to leave that series black and blue. It's like <laughs> it's like Huskers of old. That's, uh, that's just good stuff from the Husker baseball what, team. So the fourth quarter, it's the fourth inning, yeah. you know? <laughs> Brandon, to wrap here, you live in a place that's a little bit warmer than Lincoln, Nebraska. So I got to ask you, if you're, say, you know, living in a place maybe even warmer than, than where you currently are, like Phoenix, would you be taking a weekend visit to Nebraska in February to, to, to get the, the nice weather, maybe catch a Husker basketball game? Uh, obviously, I think most people would rather be living in Lincoln, Nebraska than in Phoenix in late February. That's pretty common knowledge. Well, you know, a, a lot of people are, are rallying around this basketball team. They become a hot ticket. Uh, credit to Fred Hoiberg and uh, – staff and players for for kind of becoming a national draw and you know i think if if i could package a chance to see the huskers on the hardwood with uh a, an opportunity to see some family mm. you know family is important to, to everyone um yeah you can maybe talk me into it uh, you can maybe talk me into well, let's i don't know what the temperature is in phoenix um but let's we'll be talking about a 70 degree drop it's it's a lot it comes with personal cost but hey family's important Family, yeah. Bogues, it's, it's 52 degrees down there right now. Okay. But it is also 6.30 so, in the morning in Phoenix. Let's also note that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bogues, we will catch up with you next week, bud. Thanks for your insight as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brady.